Hello and welcome to the show. Brand new podcast, Synapse Misfire. I'm your host, Chris. Here with the co-host, Jordan. <laughs> You're supposed to introduce yourself better than that. Yeah, well, I <laughs> part of me thought you'd do it for me. You know, you are the host or the hostess. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, wow. This is the new this is the new show. This is the podcast. This is what we do now. We're podcast people now. Yeah, we still can't spell the word, but we can sure do it. Do yeah, it real yeah, well. yeah. We're actual friends. This isn't like some sort of uh fake friendship at all, and this isn't a front. We're not coworkers, and I definitely like Jordan and he's definitely my friend. Yeah, most certainly. I would certainly call him a friend and not a coworker. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, we've known each other for what, like four years, three we've known, years? We've known each other at least six hours. <laughs> yeah, when I found you in the alleyway and proposed the uh, the show idea, yeah. Yeah, even though this isn't my house. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Okay, <laughs> so this this is our our show. We do we we're gonna talk about dumb shit, mainly technology, because that's what interests us: technology, video games, things like that. Um, you know, there's probably gonna be a lot of areas we can improve on. Obviously, you're only hearing us, hearing our lovely voices, and I'd kind of, I don't know if you would agree, it would have to be a decision we'd have to make, but I'd kind of want to keep it that way, because I listen to podcasts in the car, mm -hmm. and having a video function to it, it's just, it doesn't click right in the car, yeah. so I listen to audio-only podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually watch YouTube videos while I'm driving, so I, I, think, I think I'd have to agree. <laughs> Going uh, down the highway, yeah, watching... It's 135 miles an hour watching Holy some shit. Fortnite, you know? Yeah. No, that's... Jesus it, Christ. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I think for now, anyway, audio only is certainly... Obviously, like, cameras are really way. expensive, and we already spent a lot of money on equipment. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. Um, um, yeah. So, again, <laughs> end of the intro here. Again, I'm your host, Chris. Uh, I do main... Uh, YouTube channel videos on my main channel Sardonic um, that'll be linked uh, jo Jordan doesn't do anything no I I don't do anything I just I just do the 9 to 5 but rather it's like I do 7 a, to 3 yeah, so. I do a 9 to 5 too but I also make YouTube videos like once every 3 months yeah very productive um, as you can hear we're gonna try to make this uh, we're gonna try to make this a weekly thing um, I don't know maybe it'll work out I don't have a lot of free time, to be honest with you. Yeah, no. Um, but but this is something that's worth sacrificing that free time for. I think so. I think so. Get to chill with the boy, and uh, yeah, like we said, we're not we're not fake friends. We have history. We have chemistry. We have things in common that we like and exactly. things we dislike. So yeah, it's definitely not like I didn't just like go find the guy on Craigslist. Like, <laughs> you know. Anyway. Can we move on? Can we actually like jump into what we're gonna talk about? Yeah, sure. I mean, that might be a good idea instead of rehashing. Yeah. On our notes, first up, we have a little bit about us, who we are. We already did that. Our experience with tech. What's what's what got you into technology or like gaming computers, things like that. So starting from basically the beginning, um, I, I always tell everybody this when they ask similar questions. My my intro to tech kind of devolved from uh, just tinkering as a kid. So. Even if it was a stupid little action figure toy with batteries in it, take out all the screws, check out the insides, probably break it most of the time. But uh, you yeah, know that yeah. just that just got hidden from the parents. But other than that, yeah, no, it just started with tinkering with toys, and then eventually, when I had, you know got a job of my own, I had actually done YouTube at one point as well, um, and that's what really you know propelled me into 
PCs. I had always been a console gamer. I didn't know much about them. I just knew, hey, Xbox, hey, PlayStation, yeah, they're great. But um, yeah, starting YouTube, I realized you, you can't do YouTube very well on a console. Um, not unless you have a PC to go alongside that console. That's true, especially but, trying to render videos and get them going. Yeah, you ever try using Share Factory on the PS4? I mean, hey, it's it's good for like 11-year-olds, but no, yeah, I needed to get serious at one point, so I, I bought, you know, very basic $600 pre-built PC, and then from there, um, that really sparked the interest of PCs to me because, you know, I, I knew about electronics, I went to school for it, I liked it, but PC is, you know, it's a lot different than just your general electronics. There's a lot to it you know, compatibility yeah. and then just understanding, you know, price to performance, stuff like that. So I got involved with that, built my first PC from scratch in November of last year with you, as a matter of fact, because you, you have a lot of experience with electronics. Um, and since then, yeah, I've just realized that technology and, and PCs, they're just, they're great. You know, I like them and I, I like to understand them because it's, it's something that's ever evolving. And, uh, if you're not keeping up with it, you can fall behind, and it's also something you should understand because as it ever evolves, you need to you need to know what's safe for you and what's not, you know? Yeah, and especially now because um, I'm genuinely surprised. Uh, I, I work in an IT job. I think I've talked about this on stream before uh, when I used to stream. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> no one does. Um, I talked about this on stream before where... I work an IT job, and I'm genuinely surprised how many young people, like people our age, like late teens, early 20s, just like have no idea how to use a computer. What's a USB? Exactly. Like, I'm, yeah. I don't know if it's because they only use their phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a bit of a boomer. I hate doing things on my phone. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I have such a fancy phone. <laughs> the only thing I really do outside of listen to music is... Uh, I, I scroll on Instagram, and that's about it. Hey, you gotta get that new Snapdragon for that, dude. I mean, hey, 180 FPS going straight through Instagram. I mean, hey, you gotta get those feeds in done in time. I speed run. I speed <laughs> run my, my Instagram feed. Probably should have mentioned this uh, as part of it, but another thing that kind of sparked my interest in technology was the lack of knowledge about technology my parents had. So I was kind of the the fits it guy so hey the the tv stops working something's wrong yeah yeah, yeah. you're like you're like mr fix it you do that the household it yeah basically yeah, basically like hey hey the wi-fi stopped working well did you plug it back in no wow you're a genius yeah stuff like yeah, that that's um actually a lot of what i get paid to do <laughs> is to power cycle things yeah honestly um yeah that makes sense uh about me about me thank you for asking jordan <laughs> um <laughs> I kind of had the same thing. I used to, like, tinker with stuff um, to pretty much no success. I used (laughs) to be really, really into Nerf guns. And, like, I would watch guys who did, like, who did modding. They modded Nerf guns, like, professionally. (laughs) And that was so cool to me. And then I took apart one of my Nerf guns. I was like, this is pretty awesome. And then I lost a bunch of parts, (laughs) and I had to replace the Nerf gun. So that was that. Um... That's the only story I can really specifically remember. Uh, I've always kind of been into, like, um, video. Like, I used to make videos of myself. Maybe I'll unarchive those one day. Because <laughs> uh, I, I have a handful of them on my laptop. Because uh, <laughs> it was basically just me as, like, an 8, eight to 10-year-old dancing around and yelling and doing dumb shit in my room. Um, not really much different than what I do now, 
but just not eight to ten years old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little older than that. <laughs> um. So in terms of like computers, I've always been kind of into computers, not like super into them, you know, mm-hmm. as I am now. But I was always kind of into them, and then I was like, I started getting into gaming like more seriously when i was like 11 i asked for an xbox 360 so i got that for christmas i had 360 i played the shit out of the 360 but the one was gonna come out i got it like the year before the xbox one came out Mm -hmm. when did the one come out Uh, 2013 yeah so i got it christmas 2012 so like so like literally yeah a year. like a year before yeah. and i was upset because you know all my friends were gonna move on to the next console and i didn't have that opportunity <laughs> so I was like well there's gotta be a better way and uh i heard about gaming pcs and i didn't understand like what goes into a pc mm-hmm. um at the time i had a uh i had a macbook yes i was spoiled um, I had a MacBook. I was like, oh, it's Mac OS. It can do anything. <laughs> I didn't really understand uh, how it worked <laughs> on, the, on the hardware level. And I've definitely gone through like this, this major shift where I was like, oh, it's Mac OS. It can do anything. I like Apple products too. That was the shortest period. To <laughs> uh, fuck Apple. I love Windows. To fuck Windows. I love Linux now. <laughs> that's, my, that's my progression. Um... But I got my first gaming PC when I was 13. Uh, it was like a slightly nicer pre-built. It had um, one of those old AMD FX processors. Hmm. I had the FX 6300 <laughs> um, and a GTX 760. That rig was a monster. It was so good for what it was. Yeah. Um, and it was way better than any of my consoles. So I was like, this is great. I'm yeah, hooked. I'm staying. Yep. So then I started building up a Steam library. I built up another. I saved for months. Ever since I like, basically since I got my first PC, I started saving for my next one. <laughs> There's a, I started saving for my next one. And I ended up getting another one when I was like almost 15. I was like 14, it's like 14 and a half, I don't know, it was like, I was probably halfway, three quarters of the way through my freshman year, so 14 and a half, give or take, um, so that had, since I saved for so long, I did a lot of work with my dad, um, I ended up getting an i7 5820K, that was when DDR4 was like new, mm-hmm. new, yeah, brand new, um, on a consumer level. <laughs> yeah. And then I got a GTX 980 Ooh. for it. It's a big upgrade from the 650. 760, excuse me. Oh, you. 760. My apologies. Yeah. Big upgrade, yes. And I was surprised how well it worked. Yeah. And then next, the next year I upgraded to the 1080. Gave away my 980 like a fool. Yeah. Didn't sell it. A little bit of a fool there. Yeah. Um, Live and learn. That's what it is. I still have my 1080. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I learned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk progression, um, just briefly, 
Yeah, my first PC, uh, me, Mr. Know-It-All, age 13, been into PCs for approximately 32 minutes, researched about 8 minutes. Uh, I thought an i3-2100, I think it is, like second-gen i3 with... Uh, even when we in- were like 13, that wasn't even that great. Yeah. Or that wasn't even that new. Yeah, exactly. It was like fourth-gen. Yeah, I bought like a 250 or $300 pre-built uh, mini-tower PC with like a second-gen or third-gen i3. Um, integrated graphics. Sorry, my cat is like, <laughs> he's really interested in what we're doing. Understandably, yeah. At least he didn't chew anything yet. Not yet. But yeah, so I had like a, a second or third gen in, uh, i3, integrated graphics, and then uh, I ended up putting in, funny enough, a, a good card for, for that build, uh, 750. 750 was like the go-to budget card, I knew. Yeah. So many people who had a 750 in their rig. Yeah, so I slapped in a 750. I believe it had 4 gigs of RAM, and I couldn't even run Dead Rising 3 at above 30 FPS. Or I, I actually believe it was less than that, because I remember specifically the same night I got the PC, I returned it for an i5 PC. I was going to say, you were probably bound by the CPU. because Yeah, I it think was super those, bottleneck, yeah. I think those Sandy Bridge uh, second gens were dual core. Yeah. And even, like, when we started getting into PC gaming... Uh, dual core was already being phased out, mm-hmm. and now it's. I don't think you can get any like new processors with dual cores. I I wouldn't think so. All quad cores and up. I know you can get like laptop like ultrabook processors with dual core, but they're mm-hmm. supposed to be like, you know, they're supposed to be like uh, power efficient. Yeah. So they can be cooled easy. Yeah. Well, well, we all know how well that works. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the MacBook Air is <laughs> a piece of shit. Yeah. But yeah, I went from that, to, and then that same night, or like the, the day after, I was like, damn, this this thing sucks. And I went and got, I believe it's an i5 5th gen or 4th gen. Um, good PC. And I, I threw in the 750. Ran everything great. Uh, from there, I got a little greedy and probably two months later upgraded to an i7. A 6th uh, gen i7. Oh, um, shit. That was, that was a behemoth. I had that PC for the longest time. Um, I upgraded Up right away. you built the new one. The new one. Yeah. It was the 6th Gen i7. I had put in uh, 16 gigabytes of DDR3 RAM, and then I had actually thrown in a 1060 when when that was still fairly new. It was probably about, well, I say fairly new, but everything evolved so fast. It was probably about eight or nine months old. Um, So already getting there. So it was still like, so it was probably really cheap then. Yeah, it actually was like $253, if I remember like spot on. Um, single fan, little tiny six gigabyte. Oh, it's like one of the mini ones. Yeah, one of the one of the little, little mini ones. One of the little cuties. Uh, <laughs> so I, it was a small case too, which was my biggest complaint about that PC at the time. Um, ran everything fine with that, and then like I mentioned earlier, back in November of 2019, uh, me and Chris here built my first ground up, non pre built, modified, just straight from the ground up PC. And I am extremely happy with it. Um, although, in typical nature, I'm already looking at what I can do to upgrade. Oh, um, of course. But yeah, currently, and this is very controversial, but I do have a 9th gen i9 in there. I know that blows Ooh. the doors off for some people. And you don't have... Do you have the regular edition? Do you have the HK? Uh, I, do, I think it's regular. Mm, so you don't even have like the 5 gigahertz base. How, yes, however, I, I did I did overclock it to 4.2. So uh, not, not a substantial overclock, but I, I did do it. Uh, it's liquid cooled with an AOI a, or whatever or AIO as a, a higher higher base than my CPU. 
And then I have the RTX 2070 Super. So like I said, oh, and 32 gigs of DDR4. So like I said, super satisfied with it, but in typical nature, I'm looking for what's next. And I yeah. think my next major upgrade is going to be switching all of my storage to SSD. Because currently, only my boot drive is uh, solid state. It's an NVMe. And I have I put VR games on there. So it's OS and VR games. Because, you know, loading screens suck, but they suck even more when you're standing with a headset on your face. And you're, so you're looking into the inky blackness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of the LCDs, yes. Yeah. Um, no, I built uh, I built my rig, my new rig, like three months ago now. Um, it's a hell of a machine because uh, what had happened, um, because of the uh, fucking contagion going around <laughs> right now, the uh the, the that thing the yeah. bubonic plague um we uh <laughs> we got the $1200 stimulus check and i got my tax return and i got some unemployment money all at once hmm. so we spent it very wisely so i spent it very wisely and spent nearly 3 grand on a computer um so i have a a Ryzen 9 i have a 3900x i didn't get the 3950x you well, know. very, very cost-efficient of you there. Exactly, yeah. I'm I only proud of spent you. 400 instead of, like, 800. Yeah, no, very cost-efficient, oh, for sure. Because <laughs> I only needed 12 cores instead of the 16. Mm, good, good, yeah. I'm glad you contemplated it a little yeah. bit. And I got a, uh, a 2080 Super. I was going to get the TI, but it doesn't have as much performance benefit over a 2080 Super. And for the price difference, holy and it crap. Would, yeah, it's, like, $500 more. Yeah. Um, I did that. I built the computer initially in like a really shitty Corsair case. And then I spent less money on a Lee and Lee, uh, O11 dynamic case. Um, which is actually, like I said, it was 10 bucks cheaper than the case I got from Corsair and it was way better. And I rebuilt the PC in that. Something I myself am contemplating, as I I like the Every, size, the I think airflow. Everyone I know, if you get one, I'd say like pretty much everyone I know who just built a new PC has that case. case. Yeah, it's no, it's a, a great case. case. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's magnificent. It's yeah. a beautiful case. I Absolutely. love that case. Um, super easy to build in. The mm -hmm. drive mounting mechanism, ingenious, Ugh, perfect. Mm. Um, my. I was going to say, I don't really have any plans to do anything else right now mm -hmm. because the way I have my rig is, like, it's pretty o overpowered. Yeah, um, yep. And it's way more computer than I need, truthfully. Mm -hmm. In um, all honesty. Yeah, like, I have that Ryzen 9. I would have... I could have gotten the Ryzen 7, the, like, 8-core 16 thread. Mm -hmm. um, and I have 64 gigs of RAM. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's I got, not a lot. I got the 64... <laughs> Just because it was cheap, relatively, like compared to what sixty four used to be, it was like three hundred and fifty bucks. Bitcoin. Yeah, and um, I got sixty four gigs just to say I have sixty four gigs of RAM. Yeah, yeah, that makes um, sense. Not that yeah. I ever used it. The actually the highest RAM usage I saw ever was I ended up using like twenty four gigs on this absolutely massive Minecraft mod pack. Hey, Sorry, my cat was chewing my Ethernet cable. It's a good idea. Yeah, no, I that's a, that's very good for him to do. Fucking stupid ass. Get out, bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, like you like you said, you don't have any plans for immediate upgrades, but I think 
uh, the only two things I really want to do is, like I mentioned, the uh, the Lee and Lee case. That's a beautiful case. That it's spacious. Um, I'd probably add maybe a couple more fans because I don't think I have enough fans to fill it. Not that that really matters, but um, I might do that. And then solid state, um, maybe like a two terabyte SSD to replace my hard drive. I like that that idea. Um, and I want to move in a similar direction at some point where I want to get rid of the, the spinning discs out of my hard, uh, out of my actual computer. And I want to move the spinning discs out of my computer for network storage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that, uh, 2U rack mounted unit that I've been playing with and I just can't get it. I can't get it perfect. Um, I'm still working on it and throwing around ideas. Um, my working theory is to modify the panel and use the original coolers because they have heat pipes on them. They're a lot more efficient than the extra, the aftermarket ones I bought. Um, but the power supply fans are so loud. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my, my end goal basically is to get network storage for most of my stuff and have like three terabytes of storage on my actual computer and that's like pretty much all i need yeah i want to move towards network storage have like maybe three terabytes of onboard ssd storage um because currently i have uh 15 terabytes of storage hmm. i have a one terabyte nvme ssd i have a four terabyte drive um which is like I don't even know what to call it. I don't. They're not divided. That one's just random, and I have my mainly my game drive, and it has my my VM images on it. Um, is my ten terabyte uh, Iron Wolf Pro drive? Ooh. That thing is nice. Yeah, it uh, has more storage than I could probably fill, except for the one time I made um, I messed up my backup settings. And accidentally made like a seven terabyte backup <laughs> because it was trying to back itself up over and over again. Yeah, like on loop. Yeah. So um. Uh, when you make backups, make sure you know kind of what you're doing. That's all I got. That's all I got. We got off on a tangent, but that's all <laughs> I got for my my intro. Moving on to our next topic. Um, I recently had a run in with uh the Arch Linux forum. Um, I just talked about how I run Arch Linux now. Um, I know it's a bit of a meme where everyone, ever since Arch kind of came out, everyone was like, oh, well, I use Arch, by the way, (laughs) because it's complicated to set up. It's not that difficult. I'm a fucking idiot, and I figured it out. After I got my install going, I, uh, I installed Steam, because obviously, what else you do on a gaming computer install steam so you can use steam to play your games makes sense yeah understandable yeah before i ran arch i ran manjaro which is based on arch so i figured it's the same kind of meme so in manjaro when you mount drives because in linux you have to manually mount your drives when you mount your drives they automatically mount on slash run slash media slash username slash drive 
And what I did essentially when I moved over, I just took my FS tab file, which tells the system where to mount the drives. Because it was already set up the way I liked it, and it was fine. Yeah. And I took that FS tab file, and I copied it over. Essentially, I just took the part that I needed and pasted it onto the end of my FS tab file. Um, Steam, for some reason, it worked fine in Manjaro. Um, and it didn't like where I had the drives mounted in Arch. So, and I was trying to figure this out. I was like, well, I can't see the, the drives. Because the whole issue was I was trying to add my game library, my game folder. And I could get into the slash run directory, but I can't get into slash media. There's nothing else. So I was like, I, I gotta figure this out. I was changing all kinds of permissions, stuff like that. Um, and eventually I just gave up and I said, you know what? This is nowhere on the wiki. I can't figure this out. I've been looking all over the place. It's been like 45 minutes. I'm just going to post on the forum. I made an account specifically for this, mind you. And I posted like, well, I'm having this strange issue where Steam won't recognize my game drive. Essentially, I have it mounted at here, the slash run slash media slash username slash drive. And, um, it's just not working. I can't see it in Steam. Um, this worked when I was on Manjaro, and it doesn't work now. Um, I got fucking reamed for that. Essentially, I was just basically, instead of giving, instead of them giving me, like, advice or, like, a solution, because I did post this in the newbie corner, mind you. A specific section of the forum for new users. I just got berated instead of them giving me advice. Instead of being given advice, I was just berated on the forum. It's like, oh, you're an idiot. Why are you mounting your drives there? It's like, oh, well, that's where they're mounted in Manjaro by default. So I figured it was fine. They're based on the same thing. So what did I do wrong? I think so, what you did wrong was uh, was asking help. On yeah, Reddit. on the forums. Was it Reddit or just their no? It was forum? The, it was the Arch Linux forums. Yeah, well, I think that was your first mistake. Yeah. Um. So, I I I learned that day why no one fucking likes Arch users. So now he calls himself an Arch user. Now I'm an Arch user. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but no one, because, go onto the forums, ask a question. In the newbie corner, mind you. Ask a question that, like, a newbie would ask. Mm-hmm. You'll get berated. There's no... There's no... They won't help you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you would you would expect assistance, especially in the newbie corner. I mean, it, it's almost like it's designed for that exact purpose. Yeah, and my thing is... Why would you have a newbie corner if you didn't expect people converting To ask from, what you might consider dumb questions. Yeah. yeah. People converting from a distro based on Arch. Like, oh, this worked when I was on Endeavor OS, which is like a more pure Arch install, but it's an Arch install nonetheless. And you say, well, it worked when I was on Endeavor OS, but it doesn't work when I'm on Arch. Would you get reamed for that? But no, I, I there is a very anti-Manjaro sentiment among Arch users for whatever reason, but I won't get into that because... 
this isn't supposed to be a Linux show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just had a bad run-in with the uh, forums. I fixed the issue, by the way. I just had to change the mount point. Um, no one told me that, but uh, that's that's that. <laughs> um, I actually, <laughs> it is fixed. My games are installed. I I do have a relevant Reddit thread that I found. Um, if it will load, there it is. Um, posted on uh r slash uh Jesus Christ, posted on r slash Linux. Um, by u slash Linux dash is dash best. <laughs> I uh, think they like Linux. <clears throat> I love the Linux community as a whole. You can find some of the most creative and imaginative people within most Linux communities. On a whole, Linux users are some of the most helpful and informative people you can encounter. Truly, the type to think outside the box and learn new things. It can be very inspirational. If I jumped into Ubuntu, Ubuntu Fedora, or OpenSUSE's community, I could have a free-flowing conversation about Linux, their distribution, and getting help or giving help is so free-flowing and easy. I read that a bit weird, but whatever. The communities are eager to welcome new people and appreciate folks who contribute. Then you have Arch. I love the OS, but dislike the mindset. Asking for help is met with resistance. Giving help can also be punishable, and God forbid you try to have a discussion. But it's not their, just their core community either. For example, I just discovered Endeavor OS, which is built around Arch, and after 11 posts, I'm told to come back to the community in 8 hours. I'm assuming it's a posting limit or something. Mm -hmm. um, something about their subreddit. Uh, you have to ask the mods to make a post, I guess. Oh, is what cool. he's trying to say. This post is not written incredibly. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's odd. Requesting to post. Some some subreddits have that. It's a bit gay. Yeah. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, that's um, for sure. Uh, what about what is it about Arch that makes everyone want to be either a control freak or a gatekeeper? I do not see this within the Ubuntu. Fedora, or OpenSUSE com communities. As I said, their mindset seems eager and willing to unite and work as a community. Am I the only one who's noticed this? The top comment, those of us that don't have that mindset get worn down by all the hostility and leave the forums, the telegram group, etc. It's mainly a bunch of kids who don't really have any accomplishments in their life <laughs> who take their <laughs> worth from the fact they installed and use Arch. So they think all the new people should bow down to their obvious superiority. It gets really old after a while. Uh, something, something. You see a lot of RTFM uh, from people who don't realize what the person is asking isn't covered in the wiki page for that particular thing. Uh, but they're not my kids and I don't have the responsibility to raise them. But uh, that's, that's it. That's the Reddit post. Yeah, it basically it sums up my thoughts on it. Because there's a lot of... I watch a lot of the Linux YouTubers and a lot of them use Arch. And they're not toxic, su superiority, complex know-it-alls. I've only had this experience on the forums. Mm -hmm. Where well, you would expect not... You'd exactly. expect to be treated as you should, you know? Like, not even just speaking... Not even just... 
my post, it's a lot of posts I see on the on the forums. So I don't really go to the forums usually for help. Um, because a lot of it is documented in the Arch Wiki anyway. But hmm. anyway. Sounds like you had a great first experience with the Arch users, yeah? Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> I figured it out, though. I figured it out, though. I use Arch on two of my machines now, my gaming rig, and the laptop that's in front of me. Our next topic, potential Oculus Quest 2. Oh, yes. You're the VR guy. You should start this off. Yeah, so the uh, potential Oculus Quest 2, which there's, I, I know you don't follow it extremely closely, which is why you refer to me as the VR guy. Exactly. Um, I have a VR headset. I was actually the first out of anyone in my group to get a VR headset, mind you. Um, but I don't use it. <laughs> so I don't really follow VR too closely. Um, and my current VR space is full of shit. <laughs> wow. Um, so. Yeah, that kind of limits your playability. But um, so before I – let me proceed this by saying I'm a CV1 Rift user, the first commercially available Rift. Um, I got it late in the game, but I did have it. I also have uh, a Rift S and the original Quest. So I, I have some experience with the Oculus lineup um, and some of the shit that comes with that, you know, the trials and tribulations, but also the enjoyment that you get out of it. Um, and I've only seen – I mean, you use the – Rift S a bit, but I mainly see you use the uh, Quest with the link cable. Yeah, um, so originally I was using the Rift S a lot. So I had the Quest before the Rift S. I had my CV1 and the Quest, and then I, I sold the CV1. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get by with the Quest. Um, then they announced the link cable, and I remember freaking out that day and just thinking, like, wow, this is the end-all be-all for VR headsets. This is the, the peak. Um, this modular headset that can do everything you need. Um, and while that is true in some cases, that there's a lot to be improved on before VR is really even close to where it should be, or where you'd expect it to be. But, um, yeah, so I used the link cable for a while, and then I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to swing for a Rift S, just because as much as there's some downgrades there in that it is a non-modular headset, it serves one function, there's also a lot of improvements just with the fidelity between uh, DisplayPort and USB 3.0 versus a single USB-C yeah, cable. Yeah. You get more uh, bandwidth, which yeah. was one of the things we kind of ran into. Mm -hmm. uh, you had that with the Rift S too, though, right? Uh, yeah, I had that with the CV1 and the Rift S. It was a uh, power bandwidth issue with my motherboard for the sensors because I had four sensors. And uh, and the CV1, they're external sensors. Um, on the Rift S, they use inside-out tracking. So it's still five sensors, but they're built into the headset. So obviously the power draw is there. It's just no longer, you know, five USB 3.1 cables. It's a single USB 3.1 or 3.0. Um, but I did have that issue where I did have to buy an externally powered USB hub in order for the Rift S to just work out of the gate. Otherwise, I'd have to unplug and replug it to get it to work for whatever reason. It's some weird thing because then it would work fine after. Yeah, USB bandwidth is, is kind of fucky. Um, yeah. I, so. I've had my own run-ins with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that uh, – talking about the, the Quest – uh, the Quest particularly piques my interest yeah. um, simply because I have the original Vive. I got it maybe three years ago um, when it was new. And uh, it's not – I feel like my first experience with VR is tainted kind of because of it because it's, it's not like it's a bad product. It's definitely a good product. 
and it was uh, it's a hell of a leap forward in terms of what VR used to be. Thinking yeah, of back the, in like 2010. Yeah, thinking stuff. of the dev kit mm-hmm. Oculus Rift. <laughs> it was um, just head tracking. The touch controllers didn't even launch with the commercial yeah, Oculus head, at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was head tracking. But I have I had the Vive, major step forward in VR, mm-hmm. great product. However, it's not. It's significantly clunkier once you've used something like a Rift S or a Quest with the link cable, um, because you have like the original Rift. You have the fixed sensors, and you can use, like, three of them. It comes with two. Um, But it just doesn't track as well as something like a Rift S or the Quest with the inside-out tracking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was my issue with it. And trying to get it to track perfectly, it's kind of a pain because you have to adjust the sensors, re- recalibrate them you have to recalibrate your area test it and then like maybe it could have a little tweak here or there mm-hmm. you're like oh whatever you play it gets worse because the sensors gradually move a little bit just under their own weight yeah um unless you have them on like a tripod or something which i don't um they're just actually screwed into the crown molding <laughs> um so then you have to recalibrate them, and then it throws your sink all off. It's it's a pain, and I would rather have the inside-out tracking. Maybe it's a little less. You get a little less coverage with it. Coverage out of it, but it's way less of a pain in the ass to set up. Yeah. So so that, that's what I was going to actually mention. As someone who's used both, because I know you've used both, but I have extensive use of the CV1 and the Rift S, yep, so yep. I can you know better compare them than someone like you has tried it a couple times. Um. Yeah, the only actually the only time I've used any of the Oculus products was uh, at your house. Yeah, at your apartment. Yeah. Um. So the thing is, if you could get it right, I, I again I haven't used the Vive, so I'm not aware of how finicky the light boxes are. But truthfully, with the CV1, once I got over the USB bandwidth, I find that it tracked better than the inside-out tracking. Um, simply because on the inside-out tracking, it's all headset mounted. So if you go behind yourself at all, you're kind of screwed. Um, with the CV1, I was able to put sensors behind me, and I had essentially 360 coverage. And I, I, you know, I had issues here and there, but the just simply the setup process isn't worth it. Um, because with the Rift S, I could throw that thing in a box, or I could bring my Quest with a single USB-C cable yeah, to yeah. anywhere that has a compatible computer, and there you go. I got my VR rig. I don't need sensors. I don't need really anything but that cable and that headset and the controllers. And that's that's my biggest issue is that there's a bit of a downside because obviously you're, if you have perfectly calibrated external sensors, you're all set. It's going to yeah. work better than headset mounted sensors. Absolutely. It's that setup though. But it's the act of getting them perfectly calibrated, mm-hmm. which frankly... I work a full-time job. I don't have the time. I want something that I can set up and play VR for like an hour, mm-hmm. come back out, and do whatever I got to do. Even you know? even with like the, the inside-out tracking, um, even if it does mess up for some reason, because there's times where, I, 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 as far as I know, the inside-out tra- tracking works by uh, 
analyzing objects in your area and kind of basing where you are located off of things that are familiar. Um, so like if you were to, you know, set up the inside out tracking in my apartment and then take out all the furniture, it'll typically uncalibrate and be like, Hey, I have no idea like where you are set up your guardian. But even that takes like a minute at most to set up. Oh, and it's because so nice. It's essentially the sensors are parsing what's around you exactly rather than you having to do it mm -hmm. which is i don't know if that's part of the original rift setup but in the vibe setup what you have to do is you start you put your sensors or you put your controllers in the middle of the room it calibrates the floor mm -hmm. and then um i usually do it in advanced mode because it's way less of a pain you walk to the corners of your space pull the trigger at each of the corners and then that's it it points at um it, it sets that as your bounding box mm -hmm. um or if you don't have it in advanced mode you have to hold the trigger with the controller in your hand and walk around your space mm -hmm. and that's a pain yeah that that's it never works right it's very that's very similar to the the original rift yeah, the, that's the same thing with like the the CV1 um, Rift. You would actually have to do the same thing, except you didn't go like corner to corner. You would just go to the edge of your boundary and walk it as like a lap um, while holding the trigger. And yeah, that's the biggest the... problem I had with that was then I would sometimes step out of the camera's range or obscure the controller with my body. Yeah, that's and it the, would just jump. The non-advanced yeah. setup for the Vive. And I don't know why that's the not. I don't know why that's the non-advanced setup. Yeah, that sounds a little more difficult. But it's uh, way more of a pain because you have to know where the camera's going to track you. Mm -hmm. Is the same thing you were talking about. If I walk to the corner of my space, I hit the trigger, and I don't feel the haptic feedback of the trigger. You know something's awry. Yeah. You know the camera's not picking you up, or the sensor isn't picking you up. So you either have to move the sensor and do the whole thing over again, or you get frustrated and move one step to the left, pull the trigger, and it works. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a pain. The individual sensors, I had a lot of issues with them, where the brackets they give you, they're perfectly good. Um, you can swivel them, but you adjust them, and uh, you get the calibration just fine. And uh, all of a sudden, you're playing, and that bracket is slightly loosening over time. Very slightly, very slowly loosening, and your camera is just drooping a little bit at a time. And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of like a heated battle in Blade and Sorcery, and your hand flies off into oblivion. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Or, um, which doesn't, this doesn't have to do have to do at all with the tracking um but it has that link box it has the in-between where you plug everything into a link box and then that goes to the headset and the way i have it set up is my pc is in a room adjacent to my vr space kind of a non-typical setup but it works so what i would have is my link box on like a windowsill um and that plugged into my PC, and the cables just running out into the room with my VR space. Uh, where sometimes you would get a little too into the game hmm. and just yank the cables from the link box. And that's happened to me once, and someone else that was playing the VR headset, it happened once. Mm -hmm. um, 
in a game that had kind of it required a larger bounding box because I think you can do like anywhere from 1.2 meters squared to like 2 meters squared mm-hmm. and it required more than the it required like the more closer to the 2 meters squared so it gives you the guardian the chaperone but I had it I believe I had it set to just a line at the time instead of the grid that yeah. shows up in front of your face yeah so it was on the floor and there was an incident where uh, you step outside that box, and it's a just bit, over, and your world goes black. <laughs> and that's it's like it. someone threw a bag over your head. Uh, essentially, yeah. Well, you except the bag is an eight hundred dollar screen. <laughs> yeah, you know. true that. Um, but yeah, moving on to like the the quest two itself. Oh um, yeah, that was the original topic we were on, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, that's the beauty of editing. It's almost like nothing mm-hmm. happened. Um. Yeah, the Quest 2, or what some people speculate is like a Quest S or a Quest Lite, um, it's had its ups and downs with the leets where people are upset about it and then people are a little bit uh, relieved. Um, and I mentioned this to you a couple you know, a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, but essentially the headset looks like a, a white and black Quest. It looks like it's potentially smaller um, with a different strap setup. The speaker is a little different. People are speculating this to either be a lighter quest that's more comfortable, like a, a refinement, a quest S. But other people are also speculating this as a quest light that kind of takes a step back on the build quality and focuses more so on getting it down to a much more consumer level price. Not that the quest is particularly expensive, 400 for the 64 gauge and 500 for the 128 gig model. But, yeah, for you a know, VR setup, it's not that's bad. fully functional. Especially if you have the PC to back it up and you get the link cable. The link cable is what, like 80 bucks? For the official, but you can also just use any USB-C cable, really. But for highest fidelity... I'd get the, I'd get the official one. Yeah. I usually... I'm the type of guy that's like, don't get the official one. It's a pain. Get the official one because VR bandwidth... You don't want low bandwidth VR. It's going to be fucky and weird. It's going to mess with your eyes, right? Yeah. And that that might be if that's your intro to VR, that might be the thing that turns you off because yeah. you find out like, oh, this sucks. I'm sick, but really you're not sick. It's just you that, just used a shitty cable. Yeah, and there's like a, a fidelity issue. And but, especially um, getting a long USB-C like that, mm-hmm. it doesn't carry bandwidth as well if you don't have a high quality cable. Yeah, which might I mention the the official link cable is a uh, hybrid fiber optic cable. According to them, I've never cut mine open and inspected it, but it seems like it's a. Uh, it's a 15-foot, I believe, a 3-meter um, fiber optic cable that uh, is USB-C to USB-C. And it comes with a little clip that clips onto the headset so it's not just dangling off your oh, face. That's, that's cute. So it, I'd say it's it's nice. I like it. Um, not everyone wants to shell out $80 for a cable, but for the experience I've had with it, it's a fantastic cable. And, and the, it really puts the two worlds together, wireless and wired VR. Yeah, and the few times I've played with it on the um, with the link cable, it's been pretty smooth like really smooth um i would say i think i've played the the quest mainly and the rift s maybe once or twice yeah mainly the the quest um and there's not a huge discernible difference it's probably because i have like idiot eyes um i don't really notice a discernible difference between that and my vive which the Vive is a 90 hertz display. Mm-hmm. 
80 to 90 hertz, you're not going to notice much of a difference. 72, you get a little bit of it. 72 to 90, yeah, you notice you notice a little bit of a difference. It's not huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the whole meme of going to from 60 to 144 hertz. After like 120, your eyes just don't really notice a difference. Yeah, you have to be really like really into and really trained to look for that difference to really notice it. And even yeah. then, you can't particularly train something that biologically is not capable. Exactly. Like, I I mean, some people are more sensitive to it than others. Yeah, yeah. But I remember in school, we built a uh, – we, we both went to the same school. We we did um, – Yeah, we did. We went to a vote school. We did, um, we did an electronics program. Yeah. And we built a – um, it was like a modular – like a adjustable, adjustable flasher, function right? generator kind yeah. of but it had a led flash as the output and it went from like four hertz to like 130 or 170 mm-hmm. or something and after like 100 120 that led you kind of stop noticing it flashing yeah it's like you might in your periphery you might see like a slight flicker and be like, well, a little bit of that? a flicker but not like flashing around, yeah. around 60 hertz you can still notice it flashing mm-hmm but once you bump it up to 100, 110, obviously, like, once you get to, like, 160, you it's just solid on. Yeah. And yeah. that's just me. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's probably different for different people. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people that 144 still has a slight flicker. And um, I guess that's why the 240 hertz monitors exist. It's mm-hmm. partially for marketing, like, oh, you can see more frames, but, like, who the fuck's getting 240 frames? Yeah, I mean, unless you're popping everything down to the lowest settings at a low res or, you or have if you like, just have a ridiculous seven thousand dollar pc you have like uh you, you have eight you have eight rtx titans yeah right <laughs> like, um i mean i have i have a pretty good pc and like i have trouble hitting the 144 hertz of my monitor yeah same in most games yep i ran odyssey which i know assassin's creed odyssey is not particularly like the the craziest game and i know ubisoft is sometimes lazy when it comes to optimizing shit mm. but uh I, I ran that at like 70 fps yeah at all times and that's on a 1800 pc so it's kind of worth it honestly in my opinion i wanted to move towards a quest but i wanted to wait on it one because it's quite an investment 500 dollars. i would get the 64 gig yeah before oh well with the link cable yeah yeah it's like closer to so five. like 500 yeah um Maybe if I was feeling, if I had the extra room, I would get the 128. But I wanted to wait until either like a good Black Friday sale or like a Quest 2 came out. Mm-hmm. So that's where it brings up for me. I want to upgrade my VR head, uh, my VR setup because I have some VR games that I just haven't played. Yeah. Like I have Boneworks and um, I've played significantly less Blade and Sorcery than I would like. Yeah, and yeah. especially the new update, I've only played at your house. So, so yeah, back to the original point um, with the Quest Two. One of the biggest controversies about it was the IPD slider was missing. Um, so people were like, "Wait a minute, the Quest has it." I believe it's uh, the bottom left. Yeah, because the bottom right of the headset is your volume uh, control. So people had wait. There's nothing on this headset that represents an IPD slider um, from the original leaked images. Yep, yep. And then 
maybe about and for, for those who don't know the ipd is yeah. basically the distance between your eyes which is essentially what makes it work yeah so uh the rift s does not have this by the way and yep. uh, a mutual friend of ours had a lot of issues with it yeah um, and it seems like with like the Rift S, what from what I've read, um, it appears what they do is in order to cut cost, rather than using two slidable panels that you can basically adjust, they use a single panel to cut cost, and they do a virtual, um, virtual IPD adjustment, essentially shifting the image over virtually. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people have had issues with the Rift S even with this. I haven't had to adjust it. I have a swell time with it. Um, but yeah, so the, the OG Rift, the CV1, and the Quest have both had IPD sliders. One of the most controversial things in VR, if you ask anybody, is it needs to contain an IPD slider. Uh, absolutely. So this Quest 2 comes out uh, as a leaked image, and or this new Quest-looking thing comes out, and there's no IPD slider. So everyone's freaking out. Everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Like, first the Rift S, now this. I thought this was going to be their, their mother load of headset awesomeness. Yeah, you know? and it's definitely... Not something you'd want to see out of a premium product, like yeah. something that costs as much as a Rift S does. Yeah. So then the new screens, maybe about five, six days later after the first leaked images came out, uh, a new angle came out on the Quest, and it shows the inside of the headset, like where you'd it'd be mounted to your face. Yeah. And there's a knob in the middle uh, in between the two lenses, and it, I, I believe it's numbered one through three. So now someone has revealed that apparently that's three fixed IPD settings, far apart, mm. in between, and close together. However, how this will work with people who have, you know, really specific IPDs or, like, just someone who just for some reason isn't within those three sweet spots. Um, granted, again, we don't know what that physically looks like on exactly, a headset. Yeah. Or if it's even for that. This is all speculation. But if that's the case, I'm not sure how that's going to work for some people. Because um, there's quite a quite a wide range on the uh, the quest, the original quest. I believe it goes from like 60 millimeters all the way up to 74. That's a that's a pretty big range. The Vive know? has like a huge range too, like a massive range. It goes to like from like 60 to like 80, or something. The original Vive it just had a knob that you could, like honestly, how does my original how's my original Vive do this fine, but Oculus can't do it right on a new product. Yeah. Um. Especially, my, my biggest thing is, VR hasn't hit mass adoption. The Quest has been the closest to mass adoption. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, it, it has sold a lot. Um, and there's definitely a lot more, a lot more adoption of VR than, than there ever used to before. be. Especially yeah. when there was just the Vive on the market. Yeah. Then there was like, I remember the, they had the Steam hardware surveys or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they reported like... A month where they sold and detected no new vibes yeah so and now if you actually do the steam hardware survey um not not that this is fact i'm trying to remember correctly but i believe that so they just they updated steam vr to recognize the quest as the quest um with the link cable originally it just came up as a vr headset like generic it came headset. up as other like a like a, a wmr windows mixed reality or whatever that yeah, thing yeah. um but officially steam supports the quest as its own headset um, and if I remember correctly, for it was like February or some some Steam hardware survey, the Quest was severely in the lead, like supremely in the lead. Like, if there was a if you're considering a hundred percent, the Quest made up like seventy percent of the VR users. And the Quest is like, because it's definitely I think out of all the VR headsets, and I'm not super into the community. I'm not super in the VR space. Um, but like, 
from my point of view, the Quest is the best of all the headsets because you have its its own device. So you can it's a fully functional Android device, right? Um, I, I believe it's Android. It is at some form of an so Android So it's an Android-based kind of deal. Um, so, you know, you already get the extensive Oculus store. Mm-hmm. You said the vetting is, like, really good. Like, you, they go through, like, a really strict process yeah, to get Yeah, there's been going. games that have been on Steam since, like, early Vive days that have, have applied. Because you have to apply to launch things on the Quest. I'm not going to lie there. There's a couple things on the Quest that are questionable. Um, but... For the most part, yeah, their process is extremely intensive. Like, you need to have that locked to a certain frame rate. There needs to be, like, comfort options. There, there's a lot that goes into getting it approved for the Quest. And I don't even think you need that process for the Rift S. If you go on, like, the PC Oculus Store, I yep. think anyone can really yep. just apply, submit a game, and there you go. Well, I guess because the, the Rift S is kind of a, or sorry, the Quest is kind of a non-standard implementation, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, you can, it's its own device, very strict vetting process, so if you get games on it, they're gonna work. Um, Steam VR, basically no vetting process, anyone can put a game on Steam. There's like porn VR games on Steam. There is. I, you have you have no idea how many times I'm going through the, the newest Steam VR releases. Cause and like, it's so, all so, just like... Because sometimes there's some good early access games that just aren't out yet. Yeah, or there. it's just like, you just see like hentai. Yes, yeah, and you have, and then you're going through them all, and you're ignoring them. Or if you're Chris here, you're buying them. And mm. <laughs> I only um, own like one hentai game, right? All right, well, yeah, one, one too many. Um, yeah, and sometimes I'm just like, wow, this, this almost looks like I'm on some sketchy dark web website to download some oh. VR games. Like I'm just trying to play freaking Blade and Sorcery, you yeah. know? Yeah, like, uh, well, it's because Steam. I don't know how it works now. I think they changed it up a little bit, but. What they used to do, I st- I don't know if they still do Steam Greenlight. Where yeah, where did that hun- go? <laughs> you pay the $100. It was a $100 donation you had to make to, like, a charity. So you would send the $100 off, and then you can just put whatever on Steam Greenlight. Mm-hmm. And, and the community would vote, right? And the community would vote. I used to love Greenlight. That was an awesome thing. It had its issues because there was people who would essentially download an asset pack from, like, um, Unity Mm -hmm. or um, Unreal Engine and just sell that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. okay. That's not good. the reason it would get greenlit is because they would – people would comment on it and the developer would – developer. I use that term very loosely. Yeah. Um, Asset flipper. um, They would take – uh, and reply to the comment and promise them if they voted yes, they would get a free copy of the game. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what they did, and they would shovel their dumb shit onto the store for cheap, mm-hmm. and they would make money off of it. Yeah, no. Um, Seems so, like a very, a very n- a good thing to do. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know what the process is now for getting a game on Steam, but it's clearly not strict enough. Yeah, no, I think I think that's one of my gripes. Uh, gripes, <laughs> one of my gripes with uh, with Steam is you know sometimes there's so much shit. Th- on there's Steam. there's there's just trash. There's garbage. on every corner. I um was actually given a VR game uh called Christ, what was it called? It was called like Trump Simulator VR. <laughs> it was like this ninety nine cent 
piece of Shovelware. garbage. Just, I, I just feel like my account has been permanently stained by having that. <laughs> I don't. This isn't even a political thing, right? It's just a bad game. <laughs> it's not even a game, honestly, is it? It's probably more of like. And there's another one. Ugh. Uh, there's a lot of Trump-based VR games. There's a Trump Pinata VR, oh, man, which is that's, yeah a, mo- a very shitty model of Donald Trump uh, <laughs> as a pinata, and that's it. There's no background, nothing. Yeah. No, just that. Just that, and that costs not that costs money. That's like a dollar on Steam. Not a lot of money, but it's money nonetheless. Um, so Steam's vetting process isn't very good, uh, and I think that's kind of the one of the only things that. Something like the Epic Games Store has going for it. Mm-hmm. And obviously have a lot less of the market share. I frequent the Epic Games Store simply because a lot of their sales are a lot better than Steam. A lot mm-hmm. more frequent than Steam. And they give out a lot of free games. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Epic has something going for it. And I, I'm a big sucker for brand loyalty. Sometimes I catch myself just blindly jumping into shit because it's a brand I, I like. Um, but... Steam, I've been using it for years, um, about four or five years, and uh, yeah, I catch myself sometimes, even just like the creator code, like not that most people, you know, watch YouTubers that even have a creator code, but one of my favorite YouTubers has a creator code, and if I can buy a game on the Epic Game Store and use his code to help fund him, why the hell not? I recently bought a a game, um, like today, actually, through a creator code. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't even like someone I necessarily watched. It was just someone that, not someone I actively watched. It was just someone that did a video on a game and put me onto the game. So yeah. Like, so it's like here's their payment. And, yeah. and the game was on sale, so I'm just gonna buy it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've gotten a couple games recently through Epic Games. Um, the launcher, I will say, the launcher not native on Linux. My biggest gripe. <laughs> Not a huge gripe for 98% of people. <laughs> but um, the, the Psycho 2% Arch users and Linux users, yeah. The people like me who hate themselves. <laughs> um, no, I love Linux. It's a joke. Um, the 2% of people that care, you do have to do a little bit of finagling to get it to run properly. Um I know at least on Arch, there's like some extra packages you have to install to get it running through Lutris. Um, which, if you use Linux and you're a Linux gamer and you don't use Lutris, look into it. L-U-T-R-I-S. Lutris. Look it up. Not um, sponsored. <laughs> Obviously. They're an open source company. They don't have the money to sponsor us anyway. Damn. I was really hoping we'd have a sponsorship next episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're sponsored by Lutris Gaming. <laughs> Um, Do all your little, gaming things in one place, baby. That little gay uh, otter. I'll be honest with you. I I, I don't know what Lutris is, but Lutris that's fine. Lutris is uh, essentially, they make like, they're basically like a script aggregator. Like they make scripts. I don't know install. what aggregator means. <laughs> <laughs> they basically take, they make their own scripts. Oh, they move. Oh, okay. So you download the script. It opens in Lutris and installs the launcher in the game. Uh, I get it. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, doesn't work natively on Linux. Uh, works fine under Lutris, um, and I've installed a couple games through it. Um, mainly, I played maybe like an hour of uh, Ancestors, that Humankind, Human Odyssey, or Odyssey. It has like an 18-year-long name. Well, I mean, it made sense. It covers the Odyssey of the, the human race. Yeah. So Ancestors. That's what I'm going to call it. 
uh, that monkey game. <laughs> I was basically, it's just me. Picture this, if you will. A, a sweaty man-child sitting in his room with headphones on with a controller moving around a little monkey going... Yeah, um... <laughs> That was that was my experience with the game. They don't tell you anything on how to play. Yeah, so if you guys are gonna just click off the podcast now, I really <laughs> I don't blame you because that that image is officially burned into my brain. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the game seems cool though. Um, from what I've seen, and I, I watched YouTuber play honestly probably four hours of the game, and it just it seems like it's interesting. I just don't think the loop is there for me. Yeah, where I would almost rather watch the game uh, in the background. More so than be the one controlling it. I actually, weirdly enough, and it's super weird for me to say this, um, because most people complain about it, I actually kind of get some joy out of tedium. Yeah, I mean... A little bit of joy, like, not in a sense like, and oddly enough, tedium was one of the reasons I give up on a lot of FromSoft games. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like playing the same, like, 20 minutes of gameplay over and over and over again in the same area. But something like a crafting game, like Subnautica, well, that's a you're lot. You're grinding of, out, yeah. That's a lot of tedium, getting resources. But you're going through new areas, making new things. You're always working towards something new. Versus getting your shit rocked in Dark Souls. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like working towards the same boss you've been stuck on for an hour, and mm-hmm. then getting your shit rocked by some dickhead skeleton who throws a <laughs> barrel down a staircase. It's a pain. But I do like tedious crafting games. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, like some of my, some of my main, I would say some of the highest hours I have in Steam games are like all survival crafting games, like really? Subnautica, Seven Days to Die, um, Space Engineers. I played a lot of. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, the Oddball Payday Two. It's actually <laughs> what I have most of my hours into. I have like five hundred hours in Payday Two. Damn, that's a that's a lot of hours. That's yeah. like that you you could like you know what you could do with those hours? Uh, you could go on walks, man. You could you could shovel. You could sweep. You don't need to bring my weight into this. <laughs> you know, after I said that I, I kinda I kinda realized the implication and uh that is not what I meant. I meant go on walks as in it is summertime and the world is ending. Um That's true. So you might want to enjoy it while you can. That's but... true. The world is going to end. This is gonna be our our first and last podcast. <laughs> We're all gonna die after this. Oh shit, man. Ah, damn it, I just Aw. Oh. I, 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 was, I, I was hoping in, to get the new Spider-Man game. I just invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> um, yeah, so back to the Quest 2 from like an hour ago. Is that what we were talking about Yeah, because we were talking about the, the store being regulated. Store, very regulated. Very good. Store great. Um, store good. Um, but yes, yeah, so the Quest 2. Even though I usually hate proprietary stores like that, like I don't what? like the idea of the Oculus store, but I like... That it in exists. practice, how they how they handle it. They handle it very well, I will say. And they don't force you to have a Facebook account, which I did find out you can use your Oculus account, which is essentially the same thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Just without the Facebook connection. Yeah, like your information goes to the Zuck anyway. But <laughs> I do want to throw this in there as kind of like a little disclaimer. Now, that's on the consumer side of things. I don't know how they treat developers. I mean, they might be complete scumlords to developers. Um, I know oh, they gave yeah, the guy true. who develops uh, from uh, what is it to the top that Steam game. That was the one I was actually referencing earlier when I brought up a, a Steam game that was denied. Um, I know they gave him a lot of shit. I don't know if it was like 
professional <laughs> shit or oh, if it was yeah. like a douchey scum lord zuck with all the power shit um but on the consumer side i mean i think you know regulation especially for and i i know even oculus themselves has said this for a growing not fully adopted technology you, you do need to regulate it because not everyone who is already skeptical about vr wants to buy a 400 dollar headset and see porn on their yeah, shit. See, I mean, like, most people do, but well, yeah, you that's know, that's one aspect of it. But it's like shovelware know, and bullshit like that. Exactly. Like if I go onto the Steam VR page, like if I if I go to Steam, I look at the VR page, and I just see like you see the popular games, obviously, but you want to yeah. look for something new, and you look and you just find dumb shit. So so back to the quest too. Um, yeah, we're still on that, aren't we? <laughs> the leak, <laughs> the leak does seem to be either a a more uh, affordable headset, which, again, I don't particularly think is absolutely necessary. Or it also seems like it's a refinement on the current headset, because don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people, including myself, that have major comfort issues with the OG Quest. That's a heavy sucker to put on your face. I, I don't have the You're exact the, numbers uh... in front of me, but I believe it's like an 8-ounce headset versus your average like 3-ounce headset. You have... um. A counterweight. a counterweight specifically for that, right? Yeah, a lot of people use uh, 10,000 milliamp hour battery pads. I, I just personally don't like the aesthetic of a battery pad strapped to the back of my skull. Or, yeah, especially if you get, um, if you don't get a good battery pack. Um, <laughs> we'll have, uh, the drift have, like, cheap Chinese lithium strapped that... to the back of your head. <laughs> that's probably not a that's... good time. So that's how America's going to collapse. Oh, okay. I, I prefer the aesthetic, j- j- even literally the aesthetic of like a, a military helmet counterweight just because it looks a lot more like... Is that what it's from? I thought it was it, designed for the... No, it's from a um a airsoft and or military uh... helmet. It's not particularly heavy. It's about uh, seven ounces, but it it offsets the headset. And it like I said, it's for basically to counteract night vision goggles. That's the specific uh, application. Oh, yeah, because those are like big heavy fuckers. Yeah. It's like having two quests on the front of your face. Um, and it works well. Um, I also have a custom, not custom, but I have a VR cover um, face gasket but on you there. Can't, you can't really fault Oculus for the headset being front heavy. Um, yeah, it's almost like it's a standalone headset with yeah. a phone in it, but a much more powerful than usual phone because exactly. it's all optimized for VR. What I would want to see out of a Quest 2, uh, integrated counterweight. Yeah, or, or some sort of mechanism. Like, even if they somehow shifted some of the electronics to the back i mean i might be okay with that if they if they can get it to look good and not look like it's just like a a chinese lithium strap to the back of your head i was you know what i was speculating and i personally don't think this is necessarily a great idea because i'm i'm not an engineer and i probably wouldn't do this if i was i was thinking they should put the battery for the headset in the back and run cables because there's already cables running through the back for the speakers. Yeah, like if they have, um, it's just sketchy. Higher quality lithium batteries, mm-hmm. um, and then they strap that to the back of your skull, and they run, you know, a cable for it to the front. Probably will be fine. Yeah, I think the if they do come out with a Quest Two, I think the major things they need to consider is uh, community feedback. Where, like, if, if it really doesn't have an IPD slider, you sons of bitches need to add it because the community is uproaring about it. Um, yeah. And, like, like I said, it just comes down to community feedback. Like, there's so many things on just Reddit alone about the quest where people have comfort issues. People have speaker issues. People have very specific issues that are very blatantly stated. 
that I think Oculus could take that information and make the greatest VR headset in the world oh, absolutely. as a Quest 2. If it had... This is my bottom line. This is the last word I'm going to say about it. <laughs> my bottom line. The Quest 2, if it has that uh, IPD slider, that's important. Not because the fixed IPD was too bad for me. It's just that I, I want the option. It's just that you're not the only one. Exactly. I'm not the only person using the headset. So I want, you know, like a little more out of it, right? Um, the fixed IPD slider, integrated counterweight or something, mm-hmm. and um, link cable included. Yeah. Uh, well, what's funny is I was gonna I was gonna throw in this topic briefly because I did see this floating around Reddit. Um, I so I use virtual desktop. I, I showed Chris this the other day and we we discussed it. Um, I use virtual desktop with my Quest and I've been trying to play some wireless VR games and I had it has its ups and downs and you know there's certain things I don't like and certain things I I do. Um, but there was a patent filed for what appears to be an Oculus OEM transceiver module. That's promising. Um, there was also code found within the firmware for a wireless link interface. Oh. That right there has me immensely excited for what's to come. And if they could take all the improvements, put it in a Quest 2, and then have that. And, and like I said, it was in the Quest firmware. So likely this will be backwards compatible with the Quest if it's not something that comes with like the Quest 2. If it's not... You know, like a launch thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm immensely excited for Getting the potential. Like, a, like wireless VR is kind of my my ultimate end goal. I mm-hmm. want wireless VR. I want to be able to run it on my my giant PC, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to just look at it in a different room. Yeah, that's a little unrealistic right now. Yeah, considering I mean, how much data they have to transfer over nothing. Over yeah, over like Wi-Fi or you know, yeah. and. Like I mentioned about virtual desktop, there, there's a couple improvements I could personally make, like switching my Wi-Fi channel to a less cluttered 5G channel. Yeah, a lot um, of those, a lot of modern routers do that automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but you know, you, you can have some benefit from switching manually to yeah. a channel. But I think the potential for an original, you know, an Oculus first-party um, wireless transceiver is is the greatest because if it, I mean, it's made by the company for the specific headset. It's the same concept as the the Quest itself. Yeah, it's smartphone internals, but put it up next it's to the smart. It has the the uh, Samsung Galaxy S8 hardware, as far as I know. I think it's the 765, the Snapdragon. But yet the Samsung Gear VR, which also could take <laughs> advantage of that S8, has nothing on the quest simply well, because a hundred percent of the utilization is for vr well there's that and it's controlled for one hardware set and that's why yes. apple phones uh, apple phones iphones <laughs> that's why they run so well for how inferior their specs are is because apple tries to wring every ounce of performance out of that a bionic uh, chip yeah yeah out of their own chips because they make their own chips and they have one hardware set to design for. Yeah, so the thing with the the Quest is that's exactly it. This, I think, like I said, I think it's a Snapdragon 765. Every game is designed for that hardware. For that hardware. The only difference between the two models of Quest is storage, which requires zero optimization for no, the yeah. capacity of storage. It's the same drive. You, you have that, you know, unified har- hardware where you design a game 
on your quest or to run on a quest, you're all set. You don't have to consider, oh, man, this this guy has it overclocked. Or the, with PCs, yeah. it's like you can have someone with a $350 PC, and then you can have someone like Chris who, would you say it was like three grand? Close to it, There's yeah. There's a little, little bit of a spec difference a there. A small performance increase. Yeah, from a $350 uh, laptop to Chris's $3,000 PC. Yeah. So imagine trying to build a game that will run well on a three four hundred dollar desktop or laptop, but also run well on a three thousand dollar PC. There's a lot of configurations there. Yeah, and think about especially if people when they build their PC, you need to have you need to account for motherboard processor RAM. There's different OS. timings in RAMs. OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot there. You know the, the different GPUs. There's Quite literally millions of combinations you can yeah. have. Yeah, and that's also why something like Halo, just say, um, like Halo 5 on the Xbox One, can look so freaking great for such old hardware. Or Ghost yeah. of Tsushima or The Last of Us on for... PS4 can look absolutely top-notch even, what, seven years after those consoles oh, yeah. launched? Yeah. Like, you could build more than likely similarly spec. I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but you could build similarly spec PCs to those old consoles for probably, what, $200? I mean, granted, a lot of it's custom. Yeah, know, they but... use. Um, I know at least the PS4 they use their own OS, right? Um, or it's like a flip on their OS. They use, well, for a at least for their chip, like the hardware, they use this like weird oddball custom APU from mm-hmm. AMD. So that handles your CPU cores and, and your, your GPU, GPU cores. Yeah. So generally, using an APU in general with a computer not good no like even the high-end amd apus they're not going to be good as as good as discrete graphics all right moving on from that uh very long segment about vr and we went through like 18 different topics in that one segment which was only supposed to be one topic (laughs) it was literally supposed to be the quest 2 leads and i think i think four (laughs) minutes of the conversation (laughs) was about the quest 2 whatever that's what editing's for yeah, love it. Um, anyway. um, we're gonna round out this episode with uh, we're gonna talk about the new Galaxy, the new Galaxy wireless earbuds. They look like beans, and I am very upset um, with the leets because I personally think they should be called the Galaxy Bean Buds. Missed opportunity. The bean Buds. <laughs> they seriously look them up. The new Galaxy earbuds. Um, the Galaxy Buds Live. Galaxy seems to Buds be the leak. Lives. Look them up. They look like little beans. They're um, really stupid looking. And now, in all seriousness, the, the reason we bring this topic up is because I'm someone who has... I've had every Galaxy Bud product since the Iconets, their first... The original. Well, I don't think ones. they were necessarily original because I believe there was a 2017 and 2018 model. I had oh. the 2018, but the original design and form factor. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, um, I, I was definitely looking into getting a set of Icon Xs when they were newer. Mm-hmm. Um, because you had a pair. Yep. And then the Galaxy Buds came out, and I was a little less interested because I had another pair of true wireless earbuds. I had the, uh, or I ended up getting another pair. Um, I got the Raycon ones, which for what I paid for them, I think I paid 60 bucks for them, right. are pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, they're nice? All right, nice, nice. Good. You have to tweak them a little bit. But once you tweak them, they're, they're good. Yeah. yeah. That's good to hear. It has a bit too much bass. You have to crank <laughs> it back a little bit. But uh, yeah, so I've had the Iconets 2018 edition. Again, I don't, I don't remember what changed. I think the 2017 had a friggin' heart rate monitor in it, 
which made that, the which made the battery life like forty minutes. I was gonna say I think I remember hearing when I was reading into the Icon X's that the twenty seventeen ones had a just awful battery life. Yeah. Um. So the twenty eighteen they were nice, great functionality, super uncomfortable. Like, really, some of the most uncomfortable earbuds I've ever worn in my life. Um, they were very stiff and they would like just obliterate your ear. Like I had bruising on the cartilage in my ear from wearing them for like eight hours straight. Now, I had came from like a, a, I forget what the hell they're called, but some knockoff, just wireless earbuds that are garbage. Um, And the biggest upgrade I liked about them going from a a knockoff pair was the uh, individual functionality. So with my other set, there was a host bud and a a follower bud, essentially. So you needed the host bud, which was the left one, to, uh, to play in order for the right one to work. But with the Iconettes, I could pop out the left, put the left in, that dies, pop it in the case, pop out the right, and I'm still going. Same thing, with, uh, same thing with the uh, Raycon ones that yeah. I have. It's, they're both individual devices. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're at work and, you know, not that earbuds are like a super big thing that mm-hmm. m- people who, uh, who sign my paycheck are against, um, but... I'd rather not, you know, look like I'm doing nothing with earbuds, and if I just have the little... Little, little one on the opposite side of... Yeah, no yeah. one sees, and I just don't look as bad, you know? Yeah. And at the worst, if someone if someone was to walk in, you can pull it out, and they'll know, but at the end of the day, they'll be like, oh, interesting, they're just, you know, they're using one, they're doing the job, and they're just listening to something, versus if you have both, and then they call your name, and you don't hear them, you look like a douche. Exactly, um, exactly. Specifically yeah. in the workplace. I mean, I'm not against people wearing two earbuds and whatever, but in a workplace well, environment, it's a little bit sketched. Yeah. To... If you're in a workplace environment that you, which this is incredibly rare, where you don't need to hear your name or you're not interacting with people, you're good. Wear the both. Yeah. You know? You're good. If you interact with people infrequently, like I, most of my work comes from people calling my desk phone. Mm-hmm. Um, Having one earbud in, a I can better. still hear the phone. I can still hear yeah. if people yell for me. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But, um, yeah, I came from the Iconets, um, and then I was late to the game with the Galaxy Buds, so much so that I I was a bit of a snob in the sense where I had seen all the leets for the Galaxy Buds plus the ones I currently own. And yep. I had heard about how the Galaxy Buds were like the Iconets, but way better battery life, way more comfortable. And, like, you know, a couple drawbacks. And I, I really wanted to try them, but I really wanted the Galaxy Buds Plus. So I did this thing where I, I, I totally scammed Best Buy. Um, God, I dude. got them at Best Buy, the Galaxy Buds, just straight-up Galaxy Buds. I tried them out, and then I returned them within the return window for a swap because the Galaxy Buds Plus got announced about three days after I bought them and came out, like, five days after that. So I did this thing where I basically tried I, – I tested the Galaxy Buds to see if they worked for me. And then I got the improved ones, um, and it, it was I didn't literally scam them, and they were more money. I had to pay for them, but I was able to basically test run them before they came out because it's yeah. the same form factor. Um, and let me just tell you, over the Iconets, way better. Like, like way more so, comfortable. Or did they sound better? They like, sound better for for one. I I and used, aren't they cheaper? Uh, the Galaxy Buds are, but actually yeah. actually both are because at launch the Icons were two eighteen or like two fifty. Uh, I paid two eighteen for mine on Amazon when I got them, but like I said, I was a little bit late to that game. Galaxy Buds launched at a hundred, and the Galaxy Buds Plus were one fifty. And then the rumor is the the Bean Buds are going to be one sixty nine. Um, 
So the the big thing for me was going from the Galaxy Buds to the Galaxy Buds Plus was the battery life was way better. 11 hours per earbud with 22 hours in the case. So essentially it was like 20-something odd hours all combined. It was beautiful. Um, And then two speakers, a tweeter and um, I can't even remember the damn word, but like a bass speaker. A woofer. A woofer. There you go. go. Like a dog. A woof. Um, yeah, it was double speakers, um, more microphones for call quality. Cause that was a big complaint with the first galaxy buds. The hundred dollar ones, um, was the call quality sucked compared to like AirPods. So I, I was really excited. Well, but they were half the price of AirPods. So true. But you, who the hell considers that? Everyone just assumes, you know, everything should be equal, even though something's $150 more, you know, Yeah, I guess. that you, you have to understand consumer Apple naivety. People, a- Apple people are ruthless. Yeah. So. With Galaxy Buds uh, Plus, they're fantastic, fantastic earbuds. Now, I'm not someone who really cares what the earbud uh, looks like. Like, a lot of people hate the way the AirPods have stems. A lot of people hate um, the Liberty Pros because they're bulky. I, however, the, I, I like, like, a, a flat earbud, which is why the Galaxy Buds Live are really interesting to me because, like we said, they're shaped like beans where it almost is like you're putting it flat against your ear yeah, like a set of headphones. To- be discreet. Well, they're shaped that way because they're supposed to fit on the inside of your yeah. ear, right? Yeah, and you, you can obviously look up some like photos of the leaked uh, images. Yeah, they fit on the inside of your ear. Um, and the, the two exciting parts for me is the fact that they look just like, like I said, discreet, more so than a, an average earbud. As much as a lot of people think they look weird, I don't really care if someone looks at me and thinks, wow, those things are stupid looking. I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day... I get to listen to my music, and it sounds good, so whatever. So then next, the next point of why I'm excited is these are rumored, rumored, with a, you know, take it with a grain of salt, to have uh, active noise cancellation, something that's been missing on every Galaxy Bud before this and the icons, something that, like, the AirPods Pro have, um, and yeah, I'm excited for that. It's something that's not really seen at that price point, even though it is a high price point, 169 for yeah. earbuds. But comparatively to the ones that do have but it. But the AirPods Pros and those Sony earbuds. So the AirPods Pros are like 250 I think, 280 Yeah, and those and Sonys, the Sonys are like 200 right? Yeah, and the Sonys, the 1000 Mark threes are, yeah, like 200 bucks, 220 I think. I think when I looked, because before I got Galaxy Buds, I wanted them, it was like 228 a bit, you know, a good chunk to change there. Yeah, you know? so it's if they do have active noise cancellation. If, you know, big if. Yeah, and these don't get announced for, uh, as of recording this, another four or five days. Four days, yeah. August um, uh, 5th, so. And it's August 1st. We're dating this video now. <laughs> um, what was I even the saying? The price point. The um, price point. Unseen at that price point, the ANC out of yeah. earbuds. I uh, so. still don't know how that works logistically. I understand how it works in over your headphones because mm-hmm. there's microphones and it's... Isolating, yeah. Yeah, and you have the passive noise canceling from the actual closed back headphones and it's active because yeah. it has a very enclosed space where it's at. Yeah. Whereas the earbuds don't. So, good point with that. Um, I don't have any experience with active noise canceling earbuds like the Sony ones or the AirPods Pro. However, from the videos I've watched, because I was I've always been heavily into wireless earbuds, I think it's freaking awesome to just have a pair of earbuds. You pop out of a case and you're all set. Um, people love them for that reason alone. Um, how amazing they sound and just how perfect the noise cancellation is, which. I don't know how, like you said, I don't know logistically how the hell you get a little earbud. I know, like, the Galaxy Buds use passive noise cancellation because you're jamming something in your ear. Yeah. Passive noise canceling is more of noise 
isolation rather than canceling the noise, whereas active noise canceling is actively canceling the noise. It makes it just an opposite frequency of whatever's playing. Yeah, it's like the difference between sticking your fingers in your ears and then completely blocking your ears off with earmuffs, you know? Exactly. Not earmuffs, but like uh, gun range, uh, I guess, earmuffs. I don't really know what they're... Like, it blocks out the noise from my computer. Yeah. And, like, the fan I have running in the background. Yeah. And that's kind of about it. It's, like, like that big of a difference, yeah. Yeah, like, you can hear things in the background, like, in... If they're Mm high-pitched. Like, it doesn't filter high-pitched enough. Like, I can still... If my cat yells, I can still hear it a (laughs) little bit. If he stubs his toe and starts flipping out. Yeah. No, the other thing I I meant to mention is I've heard the pass-through on active noise cancellation is significantly better than that on passive... So, like, with the Galaxy Buds, it's ambient sound. It's using the microphones you get. Like, if you're on a bike, you get a yeah, lot of that, like, Yeah, it sounds like... Um, however, on, like, AirPods, I've heard it's, it's very natural. Like, it's the, it's almost as if you took them out. Yeah, my thing with... Because um, I have those over-ear Sony uh, WF... 1000. 1000, whatever they're called. The over-ear high-end Sony noise-canceling headphones that are wireless, um, which is a more convenient and less clunky name than what they're actually called um yeah i like it those those high-end sony wireless headphones there you go uh, noise canceling yeah um the uh noise can uh the 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 pass through it's weird because it's almost like giving you a hearing aid Mm -hmm. like you hear more more than what you would Yeah, yeah and you hear like a lot of white noise Mm-hmm. Too, it's just not as good as if you just, if it was more natural, I think it would be better, and yeah. I would like to see that more out of, you know, an earbud or something. Yeah, so especially the, you're more on the go. With yeah, earbuds. right. So the thing about the the Galaxy Buds Live, like, like you know, the main topic was, uh, the price point isn't rumored. Again, it's all rumored. They're going to be announced August fifth. Um, the price point is estimated at like one sixty uh, nine, which Samsung is notorious for everything leaking. So I'm assuming that's 100% on the money. Um, The active noise cancellation, I'm assuming, I haven't read anything about this, I'm assuming it would have the same, if not better, sound quality from the Galaxy Buds Plus, even though it's like a a $10 price bump, which is partially why I feel like it's going to be more samey and more focused on that ANC uh, feature. Um, Then the Galaxy Buds Plus... um, what else? Yeah, so they're they're different shape, like a, an odd shape for an earbud, and that also has me to think that the case they're going to be in is going to be really thin, because now you don't have this bulbous earbud, you have yeah. this more flattened out earbud, and it also looks like it might even be like a a sliding. I think it's the the Liberty Pro twos, um, that have a sliding case, or it's like the the Power Beats Pro or something. They have a sliding case on them. Um, seems very interesting. So. Maybe a thinner case would probably be better. That was, like, one of my biggest gripes is putting a case for something like that in your pocket. is mm. just it, it makes this, like, weird, unsightly tumor in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, the Galaxy Buds Plus, I thought, were fantastic for the size. Like, almost every pair of pants or shorts I own, I can fairly comfortably put them in um, my pocket without worrying too much about, like, this just mound. That wasn't the case for the Iconets. There was a, a fat boy of a case. Yeah, yeah. Um... So that, that's what I'd like to see out of it. Again, the rumor is it's literally a $10 price bump from the Galaxy Buds Plus, their current uh, flagship earbud. So that's where I'm assuming that the ANC rumor is the, the biggest truth, and obviously the shape. 
and that the focus with that price point difference is going to be just taking the old hardware, putting it in a new form factor, and adding noise cancellation, which in itself has me excited. <laughs> you know, hey, I mean, I already know I'm getting them when they come out, so we can talk about that when they come out. Um, yeah, I can let you know how it is. Yeah, but uh, hopefully, yeah. If we don't, if we don't die before then, yeah. I mean, that that is a thing that could happen. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> Well, hopefully, you know, with that being said, we'll have a, uh, we'll actually have a, um, comprehensive review or something like that where we, we talk about it, you know, tell you if they're worth buying or not. Yeah, when, uh, when they eventually come out. So. Um, but on that note, um, we've gone on pretty long. We're, <laughs> we want to shoot for like an hour and a half per episode. Um, uh, so I, I think we're gonna, we're gonna end this episode off. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind, this is our, our first time round. Uh, of uh, any sort of podcast, so we're probably gonna suck, and we're gonna get better, hopefully. Yeah, and you can you can certainly help us with that by you know yeah, so contacting us. You can contact us. We have a special email address you can contact us at. Uh, it is synapsemisfire at pm dot me. Synapsemisfire at pm dot me. Should be spelled just like the podcast name. So exactly, exactly. Perfect. Look and at the channel. Type it in. Your ape brain can figure it out. I'll probably put it in the description or not if I remember. I don't know. We'll try. <laughs> but you can contact us via email. Um, let give us suggestions. Obviously, the YouTube comments are still open. So yeah, let us know anything we should improve on. Tell us how much we suck. Tell us how much you thought there was potential. Whatever you have to say. Yeah. So let us like know. Uh, basically, yeah. If you like the uh, if you like the idea of the show. Keep it in your, keep it on the back burner. Yeah. You know, you know, we'll improve as we go on, and uh, one hopes. Yeah. We're just, we're just a couple of dumbasses trying to figure this out. Exactly. Like we this are, is, yeah. this is my first time actually playing with real audio equipment. It's weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Did we mention that we're friends? Um. Yeah. We're definitely friends. We are definitely friends. You know, this, <laughs> this isn't a bit for the pot. We're definitely friends. So anyway, that's uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna end, end off there. there. Thank you guys. If thank you, made you it for this far. We love you. Thank you for tuning in, um, and we're gonna see you in the next episode, which will be probably like a week for you guys, uh, but will be a few minutes for us. <laughs> All right, um, let's sign off. Goodbye, everyone.